listening to Lighthearted, the official podcast of the United States Lighthouse Society. My name is Jeremy Dontremont. Welcome. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Holidays. My co-host today is Michelle Jewell Shaw, volunteer and secretary for the Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses, a chapter of the American Lighthouse Foundation. Thanks for being with me for episode 39 of Lighthearted and for co-hosting nearly half the episodes we've done so far, Michelle. Thank you for having me, Jeremy, and it is my pleasure to co-host with you. I love doing this podcast. Well, I certainly have enjoyed having you being such an important part of this podcast, so thank you so much. Our subject today is one of the most unique and historic lighthouses in the United States, Thomas Point Shoal Lighthouse in Maryland. It's the type that's known as a screw pile lighthouse. Before we get into some history of Thomas Point Shoal, I'd like to discuss the origins of screw pile lighthouses. Michelle, can you help me with that? Sure, Jeremy. Through the middle of the 19th century, all of the lighthouses in this country were built on solid ground. These lighthouses weren't always adequate for warning mariners of dangerous shoals offshore, but in many areas, Muddy and sandy surfaces underwater made it impossible to build heavy masonry towers. Screw pile technology was one of the methods developed for building lighthouses in these areas. Alexander Mitchell, an Irish engineer, is recognized as the inventor of the screw pile lighthouse. Mitchell was born in Dublin in 1780 and he excelled in mathematics at the Belfast Academy. His eyesight was weak. He was unable to read by the age of 16, and he was completely blind by the age of 22. In spite of this, he worked in brick making and invented machines that were used in that trade. He began to turn his attention to the challenge of building lighthouses on shoals and sandbanks. It's said that his idea for the screw pile was inspired by the corkscrew used to open a bottle of wine. Alexander Mitchell and his son John rode out to Belfast Lock and screwed down a screw pile structure they had built, leaving the top above water. They returned the next morning and found it still firmly in position. They carried out another successful test in the spring of 1833. Then in 1838, Alexander and his son John, who had become an engineer, designed the Maplin Sands Lighthouse in the Thames Estuary in London for Trinity House using the screw pile system. For the Maplin Sands Lighthouse, the piles were 6 inches in diameter and about 20 feet in length. Each pile had attached to its lower end a cast iron screw 4 feet in diameter. One was placed at each point of an octagon with one in the center. A raft was towed to the spot where the pile was to be screwed down and held in position. The pile was then placed upright through an opening cut through the raft. The nine piles were screwed 22 feet down by men using a capstan keyed onto the pile. Alexander Mitchell, who was said to be a fine singer, often joined the workers in singing sea shanties as they manned the capstan bars. The superstructure was completed and the first screw pile lighthouse in the world began service in February 1841. The first screw pile lighthouse in the United States was at Brandywine Shoal in Delaware Bay. A lightship had been stationed there since 1823 and an ordinary straight pile lighthouse stood briefly there since 1828 but it had been destroyed by ice. Major Hartman Bash of the Army Corps of Topographical Engineers began work on the screw pile lighthouse at Brandywine Shoal in 1848 
and completed the station in 1850 with Alexander Mitchell serving as consultant. The screw piles were turned by a four-foot capstan worked by 30 men. Screw pile lighthouses became especially popular after the Civil War. The typical screw pile lighthouse was hexagonal or octagonal with a central pile and six or eight perimeter piles around it. As many as 100 cottage-style screw pile lighthouses were built in the Carolina Sounds, Chesapeake Bay, Delaware Bay, and other locations. Not many of them survive. Some of them were replaced with caisson-style lighthouses. A few of the screw pile lighthouses in Chesapeake Bay have been relocated to shore. Thomas Point Shoal Lighthouse is probably the best-known lighthouse in Maryland, and it has many distinctions. It's the last surviving screw pile lighthouse in Chesapeake Bay, and it's one of the few lighthouses in the United States to be designated a National Historic Landmark. It's weathered many storms, but it's now in need of help. The southern tip of the peninsula, where Annapolis, Maryland's capital city, is located, is called Thomas Point after Philip Thomas, an early owner who came from England in 1651. The need for a lighthouse to mark the dangerous shoal off the point was addressed by an 1824 appropriation and the first Thomas Point Lighthouse went into service in 1825. The original lighthouse, a 30-foot tall tower, was in danger of falling into the bay due to erosion by 1838. It was rebuilt farther back, but eventually the land around the light station was reduced to a tiny island. To warn mariners of the dangerous shoal off the point, a new light was needed farther offshore, so a lighthouse was built on a screw pile foundation in 1875. Thomas Point Shoal Lighthouse consists of a hexagonal cottage-style dwelling on a screw pile foundation. The first floor of the cottage has five rooms, including rooms that served as a bedroom and kitchen. A central spiral stairway leads to the second floor, which contained another bedroom and a room that contained the mechanism for the fog bell. The lantern room is accessed by a ladder from the second level. The original three-and-a-half-order Fresnel lens was replaced by a fourth-order lens after heavy sheets of ice crashed into the foundation in 1877 and caused damage to the lens. Tons of riprap stone have been added over the years to provide protection from ice. By 1964, Thomas Point Shoal was the last staffed offshore station on Chesapeake Bay, with four Coast Guardsmen assigned. The station was fully automated and de-staffed in 1986. Then, in 2004, under the guidelines of the National Historic Lighthouse Preservation Act, a consortium of the Annapolis Maritime Museum, the Chesapeake Chapter of the U.S. Lighthouse Society, and the city and county took over stewardship in 2004. The Annapolis Maritime Museum houses exhibits on the lighthouse and serves as the departure point for tours. John Potvin is a member of the Chesapeake chapter of the United States Lighthouse Society. He has been a volunteer at Thomas Point Lighthouse for several years. As the preservation foreman, he is actively involved in the bidding and specification preparation for the rehabilitation of the lighthouse, as well as coordinating volunteer schedules and tasks. I recently had the opportunity to speak with John Potvin on the phone about the ongoing effort to restore Thomas Point Shoal Lighthouse. Let's listen to that conversation now. I am on the phone with John Potvin, a volunteer for the Chesapeake Chapter of the U.S. Lighthouse Society and preservation foreman for the Thomas Point Shoal Lighthouse. John, thanks so much for spending some time with me today. My pleasure. 
John, if we could start by talking a little bit about what's been accomplished so far, maybe a little bit about what's been accomplished in recent years. And of, of course, I know there's actually work going on at the Lighthouse. Before we started, you actually mentioned that there's work going on even as we speak today. Yes, Jeremy. It's been 15 years now since we've been involved in Thomas Point Shoal Lighthouse, and it's been a re very rewarding 15 years. Uh, we've gotten a lot accomplished. Uh, we have the cottage itself uh, about 95% restored at this point. We have a couple of little um, details still get worked out, but we've replaced most of the exterior siding on the lighthouse. Uh, we've uh, put a new um, equipment room ceiling and walls in in the past year. We've uh, abated uh, lead paint in the ceiling and walls in the parlor. Uh, the second floor has been refinished, floors and walls, and we have uh, painted throughout. We've furnished the lighthouse with period antiques, and uh, we have potbelly stoves out there that would have been very similar to uh, what was originally at the lighthouse from 1875. Uh, it, for all intents and purposes, is a showpiece or museum piece now, uh, and it's very exciting for me because we've had 15 years of volunteer effort and volunteer materials that have brought this lighthouse back to life. That's fantastic. And congratulations on everything that's been, been accomplished uh, to date. I know uh, some of the biggest problems with the structure aren't uh, necessarily the oldest parts of the screw pile foundation, but actually the newer steel parts that were added in the 1980s. Is that correct? Uh, Jeremy, you're absolutely correct. Uh, the screw piles were put in in 1875, and they're as good today as the day they were put in. They're made out of cast iron. But the screw piles are essentially the framework of the cottage, but the hips uh, and, and bones of the cottage are steel girders and tie rods, also made out of steel. And those just have not uh, withstood the test of time. They were put in in the 80s, but with the constant barrage of salt water that we have out here, the constant wave action and the uh, deterioration from the wind and storms, the steel has taken a hit. A lot of it is uh, rusted to the point where you could almost put your finger through it, and uh, the tie rods are in serious condition. So we're now having to go through an entire process of replacing the superstructure under the lighthouse that uh, fixes it to the bottom of the bay. I know there's uh, some really pressing needs, as you just alluded to, really. And uh, as we mentioned, there's, there's actually work going on right now. Maybe you could say a little bit about that. And what, what are those really pressing needs that are being addressed at this point? Whether the, we call it the hips and the joints of the lighthouse. Uh, it's the steel beams and the tie rods. There are 12 steel beams and 24 tie rods that uh, keep the lighthouse in column or in shape, if you will, from storms. In addition to that, there's a landing dock and platform uh, under the lighthouse that has suffered some damage this year as a result of high tides. The ever-present high tides are, are getting more serious as the years go by. So our biggest concern right now is getting these tie rods replaced. We have four tie rods right now on site that are being installed and two beams. And uh, we're about to lose our weather window, so we're going to have to shut down operations in about 7 to 10 days, depending on the, the weather. But uh, we will at least have some of the most serious tie rods and steel beams replaced before the winter weather sets in here. 
Uh, I should mention for our listeners, we're actually recording this on November 20th. They're going to hear this uh, a little bit later than that, but this is uh, November 20th when we're recording this. So how are these restoration projects being carried out? It's my understanding the work's being done kind of uh, sort of in a piecemeal fashion, being done a a little bit at a time. Is Is that correct? It is, Jeremy. We actually uh, went through the lighthouse structure about uh, a year ago and assessed the condition of all of the iron under the lighthouse, or all of steel under the lighthouse, I should say, and uh, gave it a grade. So from 1 to 9, if the grade was a 1, it needed to be replaced immediately. If it went up to a 9, we had a little bit more time. Obviously, it's a function of dollars available. So as we have dollars available, we're going to continue to replace the superstructure until we complete it. We are assessing the needs uh, as we go, and uh, it does change from time to time. For instance, this past spring, we noticed that we had developed a crack in a wooden beam that uh, holds up the privy, which is the outhouse on the lighthouse. So that ended up having to take priority over some of the steel beams at the lighthouse because it was more in danger of collapsing and having our privy fall into the bay. Wow. So uh, how much money is, is ultimately needed for this work? I know a lot has already been spent over the years, but how much uh, more money is needed at this point and how much has been raised uh, towards that goal? Well, over the past 15 years, most of the work out there has been done by volunteers and it's been done with volunteer labor. In fact, we won a national competition for uh, new windows from uh, GenWeld and we have new doors and windows at the Lighthouse as a result of that. But where we are today is uh, we originally had a budget of $300,000 to do the superstructure. Uh, The wood beam has um, added about a $50,000 price tag to our uh, renovation, so we're at about $350,000. And thus far, we've raised about a quarter of a million dollars, about $250,000. How is this money being raised? What are some of the the ways you've been able to, to raise money? Well, if your listeners are interested, we've got a lot of different ways to participate. We're very lucky to get a grant from the Maryland Historic Trust of $100,000, which was uh, our seed money to really get started this past year. In addition to that, we've gotten some other grants and donations from the Davidsonville Ruritan Club and the uh, Annapolis Rotary Club and the U.S. Lighthouse Society and the local chapter of the Lighthouse Society, the Chesapeake chapter. So those grants and donations have helped. We also have a GoFundMe site. You can just go to GoFundMe and type in Thomas Point Lighthouse, and it'll come up. We've raised about $43,000 in our GoFundMe site. Mm, that's and great. And we had a gala, the first inaugural Thomas Point uh, Show Lighthouse Gala on November the 2nd, and we raised $55,000 at the gala. That is amazing. I was reading a little bit about that. It was in some sort of a, a stadium setting, is that correct? It was in the Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium in Annapolis, Maryland. Uh, They have a banquet facility there, and we used their banquet facility. We also were allowed to use the superintendent's box for the VIP guests that attended. We had over 207 people attend the uh, gala, and we had a silent auction, a live auction. We had a wine poll, and we had a 50-50 raffle, and really great food, and a super band. (laughs) That is that is just great. Really, congratulations on that. That is a really impressive amount to raise with an event like that. I'm I'm very impressed. I really am. Having been involved in events of that kind, uh, I'm really very impressed. So let me ask you a question. Why why is it important that Thomas Point Shoal Lighthouse be preserved in its original location uh, in Chesapeake Bay? Why 
why not move it to shore like some of the other similar screw pile lighthouses that have been relocated to museums in the area? There are a few that have actually been relocated to shore. Uh, why, why keep it where it is in the bay? Well, let me first say that there used to be 40 screw pile lighthouses on the bay. Right. So there is, we are down to one, and that is the Thomas Point Shoal Lighthouse. So its historical significance is, I just can't stress how important it is to keep that lighthouse in its current position, still using it for navigational purposes. There are three other screw pile lighthouses that have been disassembled and moved into museums. But this is our opportunity to have a museum in its original location, it's our opportunity to pass on to our children what it was like uh, in, the, in the long distant past to be out on a lighthouse and, and to uh, see what it's like to live on a lighthouse. So I think it's extremely important. It's an icon of the bay. Everybody that boats on the Chesapeake Bay knows this lighthouse. And for many, it's a sign that they're home. When they're coming up or going down the bay, when they get to the Thomas Point Lighthouse, they know they're home. It's, I'll tell you, it's on my, my bucket list. I haven't had the pleasure of touring it yet, but I, more than ever, I really, I really want to tour it myself. Another uh, question, uh, what do you think is the biggest obstacle facing Thomas Point Lighthouse and its future preservation? I think like everything else, uh, we always are looking for volunteers. The biggest obstacle we have is people uh, do this for a period of time and then they kind of burn out and go on to do something else. So I, I think that... Uh, our vitality with this lighthouse is to keep an active list of volunteers that are willing to go out and spend their blood, sweat, and, and uh, time to keep this uh, iconic lighthouse on the bay. As we uh, just mentioned a minute ago, there, there are tours to the lighthouse, seasonal tours, and you are, I believe, in addition to your role as, as the preservation foreman and your uh, role in, in fundraising for the lighthouse, you're also a, a docent and somewhat involved in the, the tours as well. Can you tell our listeners a, a little bit about how the tours work? And I believe the, the uh, Annapolis uh, Museum is involved in that as well. Can you explain how that works? I can. Uh, they're actually run through the United States Lighthouse Society. Uh, the best way to get onto the tour is to go onto their website, which is uslhs.org. And there's a, uh, an area where you can click on for tours to the Thomas Point Lighthouse. The, the uh, lighthouse tours are conducted through the Annapolis Maritime Museum. So they have a dock and a landing, and we have a, a uh, boat that uh, will pick up up to 18 passengers at a time from the Annapolis uh, Maritime Museum and take them out to the lighthouse. The tours are done in the summertime on Saturdays. We do two tours per day, one in the morning and one in the afternoon. And we call them adventure tours because they're not for faint of heart. It takes hmm. about a half an hour to get out to the lighthouse on the boat called the Sharps Island. And once you're at the lighthouse, they have to climb a set of steps to get up to the cottage. And once they're in the cottage, they have to go through a spiral staircase and work their way up to the second deck and then to the lantern level. So it, it is an adventure tour. It's a fascinating tour. And people that go out there come back home with a smile on their face. I've never seen anybody disappointed in the tours. So um, it's very exciting. Every tour has two docents who are trained, uh, as well as a communications expert and a supervisor at the lighthouse. And then we have volunteers uh, ashore. We have a total of 26 volunteers that conduct these tours. So at any given point, you may have a different docent than you had the last time you were out. So it would be interesting, frankly, to take the tour more than once because you learn something on every tour. Personally, I took the, the uh, docent training 
because I was out there working so much, people were always asking me questions. I thought, you know, I need to know more about this lighthouse if I'm going to take people through here. So that's why I went through the docent training, and I have great admiration from the docents. I can tell you every single one of them is fantastic, and I really enjoy seeing people's faces light up when they go in and see this restored cottage in the middle of the bay at Thomas Point Lighthouse. Do the volunteers, the docents, uh, in addition to uh, facilitating the tours, do they do other work at the lighthouse as, as well, like uh, cleaning, uh, basic maintenance, that sort of thing? We do have some double dippers. We call them double dippers because they are both preservationists and docents. But uh, they generally don't cross over. We, but there are very few people that will actually do the volunteering as, and docent work as well as the uh, preservation work that has to go on at the lighthouse. But there is, there are volunteers who do preservation work. It's a yes, we have uh, twenty, twenty-two to twenty-three volunteers that come out and do preservation work on the third Saturday of the month, uh, throughout the summer, and uh, those volunteers typically don't cross over. They're not the same as the docents. Okay, but if people are interested in doing either of those things, are there uh, always openings available if people uh, want to uh, contact? The Chesapeake chapter, uh, should they uh, get in touch to find out more about that? Yes, as I mentioned early on, I think one of our biggest challenges going forward in the, in the long term is to keep people motivated and volunteering and going out to help the preservation activity. And they can do that in a number of different ways. They can go to the Chesapeake chapter of the U.S. Lighthouse Society and send an email on to uh, any of the uh, people on the list. They can also uh, go directly to the United States Lighthouse Society in their comment section and say, I'd like to volunteer for work at the Thomas Point Lighthouse. Or they can send me, me an email. It's jpotvin48 at gmail.com. That's jpotvin48 at gmail.com. And I'll put them on the list, and they'll get uh, an email from our coordinator who will send them an invitation when we're doing work out there. Great. I'll include that uh, when I post this uh, podcast episode as well, that information. Here's a a question for you for some uh, bonus points. Uh, What's your personal favorite thing about the work you do for Thomas Point Lighthouse? I think that I get so much satisfaction in seeing the restoration come to fruition and seeing the finished product and seeing people's faces light up. But more than that, I am just humbled by the scores of volunteers that have been there before me that have brought this lighthouse to the condition that it's in today. It is just such an experience to see this lighthouse. And actually, I, I do have one, one other question for you. How did you get into this in the first place? How did you get involved with the lighthouse? Well, Jeremy, I retired four years ago from a, uh, a career in property management. And my wife said, you know, you can't just sit around the house. That won't work here. <laughs> so I saw an ad in the newspaper for a volunteer for the lighthouse, and I thought, well, I can paint. I can go out and do that. So I got out there, and I started slapping some paint on the walls out there. And the, the comment was made, well, at least you know which, hand, which uh, part of the brush to hold. So I uh, actually started doing minor carpentry out there. And then Hobie Stasser, one of the uh, uh, stalwart uh, uh, volunteers has worked and, and was the preservation foreman before me, said, well, you seem to know an awful, about, awful lot about this lighthouse, and I'm getting ready to retire from my position here. Would you consider taking it on? So uh, I jumped in with both feet, and I've uh, been doing it now for about two years. 
Well, that's great. I think it's uh, obviously been a, a labor of love for you, and they're lucky to, to have you as a, a volunteer. Uh, so it's worked out great for everybody. And I, I really appreciate you spending uh, this time with us today. And I, again, I congratulate you and everybody with the, the Chesapeake chapter, all the, the people who are involved with the Thomas Point Shoal Lighthouse. Congratulate you on everything that's been accomplished to this point, everything that's being accomplished uh, right now as we speak. And everything that will be accomplished in the future is just great to see. And I can't wait to get out there. I hope in the 2020 season I'll get out there for a tour. I can't wait to see it in person. So again, thank you so much, John Potvin, uh, for spending some time with me today. I very much appreciate it. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks so much to our guest today, John Potvin of the Chesapeake Chapter of the U.S. Lighthouse Society, Preservation Foreman for the Thomas Point Shoal Lighthouse. To find out more about the efforts to preserve Thomas Point Shoal Lighthouse, go to the U.S. Lighthouse Society website at uslhs.org. Click on About at the menu on the top, then click on Thomas Point Shoal Lighthouse. There's a lot of material on history, preservation, and tours at the lighthouse. Touring Thomas Point Shoal Lighthouse is something I haven't done yet, but it's something I really want to do. It's definitely at the top of my bucket list. I applaud all that's been accomplished by the Chesapeake chapter of the U.S. Lighthouse Society. It's really remarkable. It's one of those places where the job will never really be finished because the structure takes a constant beating and there will always be work that needs to be done. I know that donations of all sizes are very important. I hope our listeners will consider making a donation to preserve this very special lighthouse. Thanks to all the volunteers, staff, and members of the United States Lighthouse Society, its Chesapeake chapter, its Long Island chapter, its Point No Point chapter, the Pacific Northwest Lighthouse Group, the American Lighthouse Council, and all the affiliates of the USLHS. Go to uslhs.org to learn more about the society and all its chapters and affiliates. And thank you to everyone everywhere who works for the preservation of lighthouses, lightships, and maritime history in general. We're all on the same team, and everything you do is important and appreciated. If you're a lighthouse volunteer, or if you work at a lighthouse, we'd love to hear from you. Please email me at jeremy at uslhs.org and let us know why you do what you do. What do you love about your lighthouse? What drives you to volunteer or work at the lighthouse? Volunteers and staff are the backbone of Lighthouse preservation and education, and we want to start including your comments in this podcast. Again, please email us at jeremy at uslhs.org. And that does it for another episode of Lighthearted. As always, thanks for listening, and keep a good light. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine.
Let it shine, let it shine 